0: Welcome to the Money Talks, Money Matters podcast. We're here to take away the stigma of money and provide a transparent platform of knowledge for anyone that tunes in.
1: The goal is to give 20-year-olds the perspective of 80-year-olds in regards to business, finance, and decision-making. My name is Darian Williams. And I'm Sean McHenry. This is season two of the Money Talks Money Matters
0: podcast. Today we kick off with brand new information, brand new guests, and we're excited for what's coming your way.
1: For the first episode, we have Steven Littman, who is a real estate broker who also has a history in mortgages
0: and insurance. We talk about important investing strategies for people that are new to the game. We talk about the importance of consistency and the important four-letter word that's crucial for your success.
1: Now let's launch right into it. Let's go. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Stephen Lippman, good morning. It's uh, it's great to have you on um, on this fabulous morning. You want to just share a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, My name's Stephen.
2: Stephen Lippman, originally from New York, moved to Florida when I was very young at ten years old. Uh, Called Broward County, Coral Springs, my home. Went to school here. Graduated from Douglas in ninety two. Uh, short term in the military, U S air force came back, uh, decided to go back to school a little late in life, got a, a late degree, been through that career, been through three, four others. Uh, I'm a single father. I've got two kids, got a beautiful girlfriend. We have two dogs and uh, we live in West Palm beach. Now I'm a full-time real estate agent and broker soon to be a new, the new broker owner of uh, blue realty of Palm beach.
1: Awesome. awesome. So basically just kind of running, just kind of going to run it back. So how did you really get started off and, um, how did the air force really help your, you know, life path?
2: Air force was a, uh, a young decision to, uh, give me some, some direction, some stability, uh, as a graduate of high school, without having a very clear path of what I wanted, I thought the military may be a, a good opportunity for me to not just kill time, uh, but to figure myself out. And, and that's like pretty much what it was. It, it was It was not a career move. Uh, I have friends that are still in the military and, and, and thanks, thank them for their service all the time. That was It was more just like a, you know time to figure myself out. I wasn't ready for college. College would have been the best best, best path for yeah. so many reasons, but, but the military gave me a lot of um, a lot of my grounding that I needed, a lot of my structure that I needed, uh, a lot of maturity time uh, came through those years of the military. So I, I walk away with uh, a lot of good qualities and I always encourage people if they don't know what they're, they want to do, it's always an option. Thankfully, it wasn't an option for me like to get out of jail or anything. I was a good kid.
1: <laughs> gotcha. So what made you not want to go to college? Just off the back. It was, it was not that I didn't want to go to college. Um,
2: maybe I didn't have the right peers the right guidance back then to prepare me in the time that I should have been preparing my sophomore, junior year, uh, senior year came. And then at the end of the senior year, it was, where are you are going to go to college? And, and I hadn't even started that process yet. So uh, BCC was where I ended up. Uh, and in the first six weeks, I started realizing that there were so many people there that were there for four years or more, and I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be doing that. So I saw the, the military as being something that I would potentially get some kind of training, do potentially some trial, you know, you see it on the, on the, on the commercials. There's nothing like that. Don't believe what you see on TV. Uh, But yeah, you know, you, you take what you get out of everything in life. And I took a lot of the good things. There were a lot of bad things that happened, you know, um, just in general, you know, you don't like your job, you get, get stuck doing a, a shift that you didn't want to do, you know, but at the end of the day, it was, it was overall, it was, it was a, a, a good time for me in the sense that, like I said, I I went through a lot of maturing. So when I was able to come out of the military, uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I now knew more what I didn't want to do. And uh, I came back to South Florida and uh, tried, you know, becoming a human again, you know, Got jobs here and there, worked through various uh, uh, jobs doing customer service, this and that. Worked for American Express, nice corporate job, great benefits, you know, and then you get locked into this lifestyle of where, you know, you're making X X number of dollars, you get so many days of of vacation, you get so many days of of sick time. And as long as you stay within those comfort zones, you you, you live, you know, potentially a good quality life, but there's... Um, comfort is, is, is in the hand of, uh, of the person living it. You know, if, if you can live on just water alone, then you live a great life. But if you like this and that, you know, and, and, and your tastes get uh, change, and then the costs change. And so you know, it's all a matter of living within your means. So if, if you can live on that structure and you know that there is what it's going to be every year repeating itself, then that's great for, for, for people. Um, I had the opportunity to get into the mortgage business, uh, back in 2005 And uh, it was, you know, I went from being a salaried employee working for a company, uh, making X number of dollars, you know, call it under 50. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And uh, I got my real estate, my mortgage license in the first year I made 150,000. It was like, whoa, you know, and I could have made more if I wanted to work more, you know. So, you know, it just opened my eyes to the opportunities of, You know, being on a structured schedule where you know what you can and can't do versus becoming an entrepreneur, uh, working for yourself, uh, having endless opportunities and learning what the pitfalls of that is because you can have a good year, just as good as you can have a good year, you can have a bad year and bad years are bad. But when you're working for the man and the man's paying you, as long as he's paying you, everything's good. You do your job, get your benefits, get your paycheck, you repeat being self-employed has had, you know, some of its challenges, you know, but yeah. still doing it.
1: So. Yeah. So basically what made you take that risk? Like what made you go from being a corporate em- like employee to actually going on and uh, being your own boss?
2: There were a couple of deciding factors. Um, it was something that I had wanted to do for quite some time. I won't lie, uh, but I've never been considered the adventurous type. I don't take high risk. So going from the stability and the structure that I was living to uh, being independent was a huge leap. It was, it was easier because I was being given opportunities uh, in the way that I came into the business. I came in through some some family members at the time who were very established and uh, kind of like uh, like a mentorship program, you know, mm-hmm. and I was able to learn from some of the, the brightest minds, people that had been in the business for 30, 40 years taught me as if I was a, a baby chicken, they, they, they fed me. I would go, Mama, I need, I need, I need information. And they just feed it to me and they'd get me through it. And, and I'd learn and I'd learn from not my mistakes, but from their mistakes and how not to make those mistakes. So it was really, it was a step up, you know, it's hard to get into these types of businesses with, without experience. Uh, you know, everyone says, oh, there has to be a first for, for everything. Yes, you have, have, you have to have your first deal and then you, your second deal is no longer your first deal. Uh, but getting that first deal closed is, is sometimes really challenging. And then once you've closed it, it's figuring out how to close more transactions.
1: So basically it was after the first deal that's when you realized that this is it for me.
2: I realized that um, the opportunities uh, were endless and this was a, a, a good place for me to to grow. And to learn,
1: yeah, no, I mean, I would have to agree with that. Just because um, I worked at Publix for four years, and then uh, after closing my first deal in Coral Springs, after seeing that check, I said, "Off of two months of busting my ass, I've made more money than I have in all four years." And I was like, "This is the life of, an entre- of like an entrepreneur."
2: Uh, I don't disagree. Uh, having friends that have uh, worked their entire life at Publix, great company. They start off as bag boys in high school, and now they're store managers, and and they're going to retire millionaires. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, they've 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 uh, contributed to themselves, uh, and they've worked a system, and they've had that stability. And, and there is, but, but not every job has that path. You know, not every company is like a Publix where they invest in you. If you invest in yourself, American Express was like that. They offered some, some nice benefits like that, but, um, not many companies do today. And so if you can find yourself in a career where you have a good salary you know uh you get into a high level of management you know and you're okay with that you know the, the, it really just depends on on your path but but being self-employed like i said it comes with the, re- the the risk comes with the reward you can't go out and say oh i brought in a new client and i've just earned you this i want my my cut yeah you know whereas when you're an entrepreneur, that is the, the opportunities that, that you hope for. You hope to get in
0: on something that that ends up making you, you know, uh, those big windfalls. So being a risk adverse person, how when you're going into the entrepreneurship and being a self-employed person, what was the some steps that you did to like kind of do some risk mitigation and keep things on the safer path so you don't like blow up your entire bank account? That thing?
2: Yeah, well, um, I came from a place uh, and, a, and, a, and an upbringing of living within your means to the best of your ability. I mean, shit happens. Cars break down. Yeah. You know, we have unforeseen bills that, that, that can cause damage. But if, you know, um, living within your means, if, if you set up to, to that expectation, um, then when you exceed your, expectations on income, then, then you're, you're in a better place, you know? And and so that it was hard initially, like I said, getting into the first couple of deals, getting a little bit of a bankroll and then having that build upon itself, using, being able to use that to then market more, market more means more opportunities, more opportunities means more money, repeating, 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 staying consistent, consistent, consistent. And, and, And that's, you know, those are some of the, the, the lessons that I think a lot of people in sales learn, you know, about those strategies of being consistent and and focused and you know the process of keeping that
0: that um river flowing so what's your framework for your money structure so like say when you got your first couple of deals how much of it really went back into marketing and um what was like the system moving forward to keep the growth pretty steady so everyone has a different strategy um and and
2: how much they spend will depend on on their end goal. Uh, I'll use an example. Another broker that that we work with in our office, who's, who I know spends at least fifteen thousand dollars a month to generate opportunities. Uh, he supports a much larger team, uh, and I know agents that spend far less, um, and they support themselves. So it really depends on on how big of a of a structure you're looking to spend, uh, and and how fast you want to get moving. There's spending sp- smart money, and there's wasting money. Uh, Today in the age that we're living in with podcasts and digital media, um, you know, some of the older technologies, you know, no one, no one invests in newspaper ads anymore. Uh, Flyers are becoming a thing of of the past because now when we take the mail out of the mailbox, we sort it by size and anything bigger than so big gets thrown out. I don't even look at it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, learning new strategies and taking advantage of technology, you know, is is uh, is a great idea in the changing world that we're in, as we discussed before the we started here, you know, just, you know, having the right tools and, and knowing how to broadcast it, you know, and get the message out uh, is is huge. So, you know, as far as, a, a, you know, everyone has a different threshold, you know, uh, I keep low overhead just in general in life. I don't like to, to weigh myself down with a lot of debt. Mm-hmm it also allows me to feel a, a greater sense of accomplishment because I don't keep myself riddled with debt. There are salesmen that, that, that only want to hire other salesmen that are stressed with debt because it motivates people. It doesn't motivate me. Yeah. I, <laughs> but So again, so, you know, the, the amount that you, you, you spend could vary. You know, if you're spending a lot of money on, on things that aren't producing, you know, your return on your investment is very low. So it's, it's a matter of spending it wisely f- uh, finding the proper places to to spend your money rather than how much of it to spend, in my opinion. I've seen very successful agents spend no money because they figured out their method. Real estate is such a... a, a a wide world. There's residential, there's commercial, there's leasing, there's, there's, there's investing, there's, there's all kinds of, of aspects of, of real estate. There's different property types. People uh, uh, specialize in rentals versus purchasing versus listings. You know, there's so many different ways of making money in real estate that once you find out your way and you find a way of being consistent about it, you could potentially structure your,
0: your future. And it's almost like the needle um, question where like you say, like, how sharp of a niche can I hit? And then finding like your special industry that you can go into. Um, pretty much. And then refining it. There are certain tasks
2: that are done by real estate agents that I feel that are great for, for training um, that, you know, you don't see many seasoned agents doing, but they're, they're cost effective and they're proven to work. But you get to sometimes a point where you're like, okay, I've made some money. Now I could do it smarter. I don't have to do those hardcore door knocking on a, on a hot Sunday afternoon, you know, um, many times I'll talk to young agents, you know, and, and they'll ask me how I do it, you know, and, and, and again, it's consistency. It's, uh, When it's slow, you don't slow. When it's slow, you speed up. When you're going in a good market, you don't slow down, you know. And, you know, this is the focus and the consistency. It's not so much how much money you're making or spending. Rather than spending lots of money on a cold internet lead, I might spend three or four nights at various networking events making relationships with people, uh, financial advisors, attorneys, bankers. Plumbers, painters, everyday people, because those everyday people are talking to other everyday people. And in those conversations, people are saying, Oh, wow, I'm thinking about selling my house this week. Maybe before the end of the year, I might, might look to move. And that person says, Oh, wow, I just met Stephen, Stephen Lippman from Blue Realty. He's a great guy. He's very knowledgeable. He'll take the time to ba da- ba 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 ba. Next thing you know, I'm getting a call. Hey, I just gave your number to my coworker. Can you help them? Hmm. You know, And so again, it's, it's relationships and those are, are huge return on, on your investment. Because again, it's, it's, it's something that's going to hit over and over if you do it right. Whereas if you buy an internet lead, you may only get one out of it. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's not what you spend, it's how you spend it. It's how you work your time. I often tell people who ask me about my first year in real estate, my first year in real estate, I already had many years as a, as a mortgage broker, so I understood the business and the models and so on and so forth. When I made the change, it was due to some personal family uh, things that were going on and, and I just needed a change in my life. And I didn't want to necessarily go back to school full time and, and, and join into a whole new career like I'd done so many times in my life. Real estate was the easiest parlay. I already knew a lot about it, knew the contracts and things and all. So my first year I spent at a big brokerage, a, a franchise brokerage, and I closed 32 transactions that year. And my manager that year sat me in her office and she said how proud she was of me and how, how some of the senior agents had not closed 32 transactions that year. And I had my, my uh, 1099 in my hand at that time. And I was looking down and I'd made about $14,000. That's not 140,000, that's 14,000. That's about $1,000, a little over $1,000 a month. It's not a lot of money, close 32 transactions. I put 40,000 miles on my car, work like a dog. They're all rental transactions, 1200, $1,500, $2,000 rental transactions. You're not gonna make a lot of money. No. My second year in real estate, I only closed about 13, 14 transactions. I made almost 80,000, did half as many miles. They were all purchase. So again, smart, it's using, it's not about how much you spend. It's not about how hard you work. It's about making sure you're working on the right transactions. My first year in real estate, I worked with a young kid who had also gotten his license that year. He closed two transactions for $2 million and we didn't see them for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Kid made like uh, a lot of money on those two transactions, you know? Yeah. So, you know, two transactions or 32 transactions, which do you want to do? I want to do two transactions and make the same money. You know what I'm saying? So it's working smarter. It's, it's about knowing how to spend your money. Not just spending it. Um, you know, you can go out and you can buy the fanciest of equipments and and, and make the prettiest of productions. If you're not giving out good quality, no one's going to watch it. And and what good is the high end equipment? You know, what I'm saying. So so it's about having it the right stuff and knowing how to properly use it. And
1: and got you. And then especially since you're now moving into like a new area with again new people, how how are you going to structure it? Are you going to network your way out? Or are you going to help with like, like the acquisition of new customers, like what Mike Longo does, such as his advertisements and just his spiel. So how are you going to structure that while opening up your own place?
2: So as an individual broker, uh, those things that we were talking about were good because it was just me and it was just, me that i was worrying about there's gonna be a lot of things that i'm gonna I'm, I'm going to be doing as the new year starts i'm going to start looking into chamber meetings doing some more networking l- meeting people in my community getting to build new relationships uh as all of my relationships are broward based you know pulling f- electricians and plumbers you know from here is kind of hard so i'm gonna to have to rebuild a lot of that and, and that will be part of my base uh there'll definitely be some advertising done we have to get the brand out let people know who we are yeah, um, you know, so there's gonna be a lot of different types of marketing we're gonna do. We're gonna do some banners and, and such. We're gonna start doing the old car, cold heart, cold calling, and, and, and door knocking. Because you know, because again, when you know, where do you begin? Where do you start? When when you're at the foundation, you have to build a good, strong foundation. You don't want to just throw up a couple cards and then try to put cement on top of that. You know, so you have to start with something good and, and, and solid. Yeah. So reputation, knowledge. You know, those are good foundations then build around that by learning some new networks and and, and building those new relationships
0: how much of a brow blue, blue blue realty are you going to take with you to lock as far as like your networking um different assets that that's undisclosed okay. <laughs> no um you know th- there's um, um, even though it's a, a
2: coral springs based office right now our agents are vast you know we have I myself have closed business from, from Port St. Lucie all the way down through into Miami. Um, so we're not restricted to the area that we work. Uh, and uh, we do have a couple of agents that are looking to, to potentially join up with us and, and help us with our growth. Uh, you know, I'd be happy with four or five to start, you know, because the synergistic effect of having people who know, like, and trust each other that are working together in an area helps. And that's what helped blue grow initially really
1: got you so i'm just gonna kind of hit the rewind button and kind of go back to where you started off now you started off in all these um basically i would say dead-end jobs where it's like you can only grow to a certain point of now you have a manager in front of you Mm -hmm. so it's like with all that being said i was like you were more like a yes sir man like you were like yes ma'am yes ma'am so what what really helped you get out of that habit and then really be an entrepreneur Mm. Uh, so
2: in many of my jobs, I worked up from the yes man to the man and still found that I wasn't even as a manager, whether it be working at a restaurant or if it was at, at American express or when I was at comp USA, um, it still was limited. So, and you're always saying yes to someone else. Yeah. Uh, and today you still say yes to someone else. You know, we, we, we treat our clients as if they are bosses. So I always have a new boss, even though I am the boss. Um, so, you know, there's always there's always a level of of even as an entrepreneur, uh you still have to have some respect for systems and 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 someone's always going to be telling you what to do yeah. or what they want you to do. The nice thing about being an entrepreneur, you get to choose if you want to do what they're asking you to do. Um within the real estate business, there's a lot of things people ask you to do that you might not like to do that you're going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and that's just, you know, something of uh again, if you're working for the man, and they tell you to go mop the floor. That's part of your job description, you Better to go mop the floor. Yeah. It's part of your job. And it's all about a matter of, of a perspective. Um, one of the agents in the office had come in, he's a newer agent <clears throat> and he was sharing his feelings and they were not in necessarily a positive light. And I was letting him vent. And then I, and then I twisted it on him. I said, you know, if, if you change your perspective and the verbs that are coming out of your mouth and the energy that you're spewing, And you focus on, on the opposite energy, you know, and just change what's coming out of your mouth as God, this is so annoying as these are great opportunities. They may be hard opportunities, but if it's a hard opportunity and you're learning and you're growing, you take it, you embrace it because you haven't earned the right for the lack of, of experience. Even today with the years that I've had in, and even with the the licensing that I have as a broker, every day I learn something new every day. I learn leadership skills. I learn more about my job because there's still things that even as a broker, you just, there's so much to know. So there's, you know, you can't be stagnant. Yeah. You have to be willing to change and adapt and, and be able to roll with the technology and roll with the changes that are coming.
0: I have a question. So when you made the decision to branch out as your own, did you have, did you plan for this in your savings accounts? And did you make sure you had things stacked up? So if things ever had like a rough year, you are going to be okay? Or did you just kind of just like wake up and just like, let's get done? Uh,
2: 2021 turned out to be a pretty solid year for anyone that was alive.
1: <laughs> Agreed.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, So as a seasoned agent and broker, it was exceptional for me. So this year positioned itself to be a year of opportunity. Was it something that I... <clears throat> I was asked why I got my broker's license not too long ago. And my answer was, well, I don't know. I guess I just wanted it. You know, why just be a sales associate? Let me be a broker. Your broker means you know more about management and running you know, the business rather than the law that you're taught in real estate school. Yeah. And it's just a higher level of, of knowledge. People respect a broker more than they respect a, a sales associate. But I never really saw myself managing and owning an office but i wanted the respect of a broker
0: so let's just hop into so you live up beneath the means and you say that that doesn't drive you what's your driver because if you're you're good you're comfortable you had a great year what keeps you going knowing
2: that next year is another year you have to be able to make it so you just keep on grinding um and and, then you know don't get me wrong living within one's mean doesn't mean that you're not living and you're still consuming. And when you consume, you still have to produce. So it becomes a, a repetition that you have to perfect or else you got to figure it out, you know? So, so that's the drive, you know, the drive is life. Um, it's, it's, it's the everything that you want in life. It's not just the, the one desire. It's not just the one goal. It's, it's the, it's the, all of them in culmination that keeps me going. It's the, the fact that I know that again next year gonna to have to repeat it again it's not just about this one great year that I had because next year could be like last year not so great or a pandemic you know something I wanted to talk about you know we're dealing with something today that none of us have ever thought could happen you know history shows that this happened you know but wow in, in our lifetime and our grandparents you know we've never have to deal with this and and with technology and how things have you know the communication that we have you know and, and you know so best laid plans still fall short because there's things in our life that we can't control, that we can't see coming, that we can't plan for. Like, like if everyone knew that the pandemic was coming, everyone would have been living their lives a little bit differently and saving a lot more, but you know, you don't, you you live. And, and and sometimes even though you have the best plans to save and to, to do, Life still happens, you know, and that, that four letter word is, is just as bad as any other four letter word that you're not supposed to say, because it throws, you know, good things at you, it throws bad things at you. So, so the drive, the why, whatever your why is, is my life, you know, is so I could have, so I can do, so I can, so I can not have to not have and not do.
1: So is that why like every like every day I see you in the office, every day you talk, like any interaction, you you're just so full of energy, so full of like excitement. Is it because like you realize that fuck, like ha- like I have to work as hard as I did today, yes, then tomorrow, then the next day, then the next week. Well, that's that's just my drive. Yeah. That, that's just
2: you know, and and so like you said, you know, you see me in the office sharing. You know, I've had lot of lots of opportunities. You know, I've I've been through a lot of different types of scenarios where I've learned and our team at blue uh, like family, I don't want to see you fall on your face. I don't want you to have a bad rep. I want you to know what I know. You can't mm-hmm. know everything I know because you haven't been through everything I've been through. But if I could hear that you're going through something, if I could share a little light on, on your situation and help you get through that it's, it's relationship building. Yeah. It's, it's part of my, my DNA. It's part of my personality. Before I was in sales, I was building relationships. I didn't even know why I was building relationships because that's the way my life was, was driven, was, was, you know, having relationships with people. And today a lot of those relationships still pay. And, and so, um, if I wasn't who I was, I might not be so successful in my pursuit of being an entrepreneur. Um, Being an entrepreneur just isn't being, you know, a realtor. That's being a job still. Being an entrepreneur is having multiple forms of income. In my opinion, you know, you can't just expect you know one industry to to drive you everything your entire life. Yeah, insurance maybe. Insurance has residual. It's a, pretty much the only industry that I know of that, that pays has, a premium every month back to you, every month or every year, yeah. on on someone's renewals. So you know, one could say that you could build up a portfolio over a few years and and have it you know, paying you back. And, and I have friends who are in the insurance world and and, and it works for them. Um, you have to like the product. You have to like what you're selling or else you're not going to sell it good. Right. Do I like real estate? I love real estate. So I sell it good.
1: Got you. So just to go back to your, like your four streams of income, you want to kind of like walk us through that? Sure. You know, it, it all depends on, on what your structure is. Uh, I have kind of
2: based my financial, uh, around the financial industry. You know, I wanted things that, that kind of couple together. Um, so I have my mortgage broker, my mortgage license. I have my real estate Mm -hmm. license. I sell also, uh, life insurance. Mm -hmm. I don't actively sell it, but I'm knowledgeable about mortgages. I don't sell them any longer. I have my licensing for it. So when someone checks me, I'm legit. Uh, and it gives me that, that confidence when I speak to someone about a mortgage product that I know what I'm talking about. When I refer them to someone I know, like, and trust, we can communicate in in terms that we understand we work very well together. Same thing as I parlay that into my real estate business, when they're asking questions about real estate. And I've always found that within those two worlds, something that a lot of people don't talk enough about is uh, life insurance and how, you know, when you take on a $3,000 mortgage, Okay, and your husband and wife, and the husband passes away. Well, what happens to the spouse who might not have the same kind of income? You know, so these are these are types of transactions that all parlay within each other yeah. in 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 various forms, uh, and they're all often easier easy, easier to be sold, relationship based. Because again, you know, when you're talking financials, you don't want to talk to a stranger about how much insurance you want to have. You want to talk to someone who you know, like I would rather, I feel more comfortable talking to someone that I know, like and trust. And if I know someone that is the man or the woman in that field, I'd much rather deal with them than a stranger. So I feel that they are relationship products Mm -hmm. and they go hand in hand. And by having your license, you can refer off a mortgage. You could refer off a life insurance policy and still, Receive an income, receive yeah. a, a commission, a le- legal legitimate on, on the books commission, rather than a lot of times, you know, oh, I'll give you a referral fee, I'll send you a $50 gift card. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant? Um, you know, these, these are, that's not income, you know, that's, that's not income. Income is having the ability to earn an in, uh, 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 receive earnings from a transaction. So, you know, those licenses, licensings, I feel go hand in hand. Uh, in, in all kinds of ways, you know, you, you have a conversation at the closing table and insurance comes up often. Health insurance, life insurance, property insurance, mortgage insurance, all these types of insurances. So again, having the license, being able to say, I'm licensed and I can speak about this with knowledge and confidence, you know, and this is how it works. Building relationships.
1: Got you. So do you also invest in any other courses or any of the like further education? Constantly, constantly, constantly. I think, I think the, the more, you know, the, the, the
2: better you are. Uh, there are statistics that show the more designations you have as a realtor, the more money you're going to make. Why is that? Well, when you get your luxury living designation and you're speaking to people that are in multimillion dollar homes, okay. You're going to learn things through these courses that are going to give you the knowledge and the tools. So when you're talking to the person who has that, they're like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So you can't learn it unless you're doing it or being taught it. Uh, Most of the boards offer some really great free classes. And even if they're not free, they're reasonable. And they're to educate you, to give you more knowledge. The more knowledge you have, the more power you have, the more power you have, the more you can do. So, you know, someone who doesn't, um, take that opportunity to, to improve themselves, they're going to sit stagnant and there's going to be younger people who are going to be more willing to, to, to put that time in, to learn about that designation, to do that job eliminates you. So, you know, I feel it's important to, to, you know, stay on your game again, that's kind of partly why I think I got my broker's license was, you know, like, what else can I do to, to. Excel and to achieve a higher level in in this. And, and that was, you know, there's not so many levels in real estate. So like, you know, let me get to the top and now that I'm at the top, let me see what else there is to do. Um, And so, yeah, I'm all about taking uh, and and learning there's tools that we use that are constantly changing. And if, and if, and if you don't take the time to learn them, you can't do your job very well. When we talked and we were doing our comp analysis and you were showing me how you do it and Mm. I was showing you how I do it. I do it my way because I've been doing it so long. The systems have changed. And thankfully the old ways of doing some of the things that I do are still being done the way they're done. But Sean showed me a quicker way of doing some of the things that I do. And I was like, all right, kid, see, you learn something new every day. Right. Fact. Yeah. Not the way, not, not that the way I did it was wrong or the way that Sean did it was wrong. We both got to the same thing, but because he took a class and he was taught, a time later than I, he knew a different way to do it, that the system offered these new features. So if, if you're not willing to, to continue to learn, you're, you're, you're going to find yourself having a harder time doing what you're doing. So um, whether it be designations to, to give you more knowledge about different ways of selling real estate or different categories in, in, in real estate, like you said, you're finding your niche, um, you know, you can't do that if you don't stay on top of your education and, 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 and the things that are available to you.
1: How long do you plan on staying in real estate or i mean is this just your kind of long-term plan and is this where you're going to go to retire or do you have something else planned either that's real estate investing either that's living on stocks and dividends or just you know okay so so
2: um i'll tell you that you know growing up i would i grew up in a culture where if you couldn't afford it you didn't buy it You you lived within your means, uh, had grandparents that were Holocaust survivors, you know, they came with nothing as many immigrants did. And, and, you know, that was what was hard coded into me. Uh, even though I went into the military after the military, all the jobs that I had were jobs where I had some kind of, of profit sharing or contribution to a 401k. And, and I always, and I, and I still believe in the compounding effect. I think that if you can be really good about your savings, when you're in your teens, through your twenties and thirties and forties, that that will compound and that will pay off. Remember that four letter word I was telling you about before life. Okay. It doesn't sound like fuck, but it's life. Okay. And it fucks you just the same way. So, the, you know, you know, if, if, if someone can live in, 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 their parents' house in a beautiful, you know, and, and have, you know, things covered, it makes it much easier to, to, to save and to plan out those things. But life happens sometimes and, and, and cars break down and, and people get pregnant and, and, and people die and, and, your, and, and shit happens. So um, I, I am a firm believer in diversifying your, your, your savings to mitigate your risk. I don't think you should all be in, in one avenue. You should just like your income should be diversified. Your savings should be diversified. You should have liquid. You should have long-term, you should have risk because you're young and you should have stability because you need to you know make sure that something's still there while the risk is going. Um, and as long as you're able to do all four, then then you're great. But But what happens in life is people get to the end of the year and they say, wow, I made it through. It's a good year. Some people say, wow, I made it through and I've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, you know? So, so where you're at on that spectrum Mm -hmm. indicates or dictates a lot of what you can and can't do. Um, what I learned in, as being an entrepreneur, uh, before I diversified myself to the point that I am, I found that I was very, uh, there's a lot of volatility in, market conditions, things that are totally out of your control. Uh, you know, one year I'd said in, in, in doing mortgages, I, I made almost 200,000, you know, and the very next year I didn't make two, Yeah, <laughs> you know? uh, what happened? The economy fell out. I didn't do anything different. I didn't change the way I spoke. I didn't change the products I was offering, you know? And so, you have to be able to adapt. It all comes down to, to being able to, to adapt and, and be diversified. So so having a, you know, as many of those as you can, the better. And if you can only do one, make sure you stick to it. And it's the consistency and it's the consistency and it's the consistency that so many people fail. They do it one or two weeks. It's like exercising. Oh, I'll exercise today. And then I won't exercise for the other six days. But at the end of the week, I want to feel better and stronger. Yeah, You can't do that. Your savings isn't going to feel stronger if you're not doing it consistently. So whatever you do, I say, do it with consistency, you know, um, find the threshold that, that works. And, and if you have enough to diversify diversification is, is, is important. Uh, I don't know that in my lifetime that I've seen one thing that was paramount better than anything else that you should just focus on that one. Most strategies have diversification in it. So so that would be my answer to to that easy question.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, the question was kind of dodged completely. It was more of like, are you doing real estate long term? Okay.
2: Um. So, so I don't want to do anything else. Okay. I enjoy I enjoy the freedom, the flexibility. I enjoy the the task. Uh, and so I do not want to dodge any question that you throw at me, Sean. I, I hope to be in real estate, some form of fashion. Mm-hmm. This is something that, that, that I enjoy doing, uh, and that I can see myself doing long-term.
0: Gotcha. What's your favorite investment medium? So again, it's, it's, it's risk reward. Um,
2: you know, if I had it, I would love to be a real estate investor. You know, uh, but but what I've learned from dealing with people like me who want to be a real estate investor and what being a real real estate investor means or mm-hmm. what it takes, uh, you know, buying a home, mortgaging it to the max and praying that you get your rent is not being a real estate investor. Being a real estate investor is, is having cash, buying cash, floating it until you, you know, until it's made a profit and and not worrying about if if the market value has gone down or if you miss a month or two in rent, or if they, if they broke the AC and and now you don't have the money to, uh, to replace it. That's not real estate investing. That's real estate wishing, (laughs) you know, and, and one bad month people lose, lose them all. Um, You know, the, the market has just as much volatility, you know, so do I have a favorite? Um, Again, I think, I think diversification Um, trends change. And you shouldn't be so focused on day trading versus you know uh, buying you know certain types of stocks or or, or anything like that. You have to have to be diversified. You have to you have to stay knowledgeable. You can't you can't sleep and then say you know a month uh, of no activity and come in and say you know you're going to do this because this is what was last month. Our markets change on a daily basis, so so investment strategies have to stay current. So, um, you know, planning for for the opportunities to, to be able to is, you know, and then making those decisions on,
0: on based upon the markets, based upon what's going is the best way of doing it. You hit an interesting point. You said there's real estate wishing and real estate investing. What are some of the key differences that you've seen in real estate wishers?
2: Well, uh, you know, I often joke, you know, reality versus realty. You know, a person finds their reality in realty when they say, I want X and I only want to pay Y and it has to be in Z. And then they realize X, Y and Z don't line up. They find X, but it's with B and, and Q. Price, location, size may not always go together. And so it's, it's, it's a matter of. Knowing the steps, knowing the market, again, as it's changing, what was a year ago is not what's today. What will be in a year from today is not what's today. Uh, Someone once heard me say I was a data analyst and they came in. I thought you were a realtor. What do you mean you're a data analyst? I said, well, you know, I am. I'm a broker, to be honest with you. But, you know, what I do is I analyze data constantly changing data. The data from today is not the data from yesterday. We have new comps. We have new sales. We have new listings. We have new information to look at that. We can't just go based upon what we saw last week. Oh, well last week I remember seeing these things. Well, what about this week? Well, we don't work from week to week in the real estate industry. We work, you know, on a a three to six month basis in most cases, sometimes more depending on, you know, what we're looking to do. Uh, But, but having that, that, um, is definitely helpful, you know?
1: Got you. So, I mean, again, I haven't experienced the four letter word a lot, L-I-F-E. And um, right now I'm using real estate to kind of slingshot me into being like a real estate investor and owning a property at 22, maybe 24. But I mean, the way you said it, I just kind of want to you to walk me through it because my plan is to, again, save up 10 to 20 grand, invest FHA something, and then leverage that debt till I'm like right here. But... I mean, as you're saying it right now, it doesn't work, so. It, I
2: didn't say it doesn't work. It's not
1: the the ideal
2: solution, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion as a professional, that doesn't mean that every professional that you speak to is going to have the same opinion. Uh, I see many people struggling to, do you think it's better that you rent and own a property and have someone else pay? You know, there's, there's different philosophies. Yeah. Uh, I feel a person is best... Investing when you're investing first in yourself. So instead of mortgaging a property to the hilt for someone else to rent, let me back this up. You know, we're just in a time today where values are so high that the return on investment is low. Okay. Even with rates being low, you have to be able to have a mortgage less than what you can get for rent. You need to have, show a profit. Hmm. You want to show enough of a profit. So if you could find the right property at the right price and take out a mortgage and then rent it for twice what you're going to collect in rent as you are paying in mortgage. And that's a great investment. And then that fear is not so, so great. Yeah. But if you're taking out a $950 mortgage and you're only collecting $1,200 in rent, it's not much profit. No. So, so, so again, not a very good, you know, first month that you don't get rent paid first month that you have a, an appliance that broke first month that, you know, you went with a vacancy, you're saying, Oh my God, that mortgage has to be paid. Well, it's great if you're living at home and you have no mortgage and you have no car payment, and you have no kids and you have no life and you have no, the, and, and, and and you have money. So do I say, don't buy your first property as an investment? I wouldn't, Yeah. you know, um, buy your first property, make it your own paid off in five years. If you're making so much money, mm-hmm. then take that free and clear property, turn that into an investment, then go buy yourself another property. Gotcha. Have the income from one property paying for itself and potentially the next property. Gotcha. Rather than having one property, having it mortgaged to the hilt, and then having to to struggle that way. It's it's so. D- does that make sense? You know, there's there's not saying that that yeah. doing your way is wrong. A lot of it is based upon the inventory, the market conditions, you know, the prices and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, it, it could work. I mean, there was a time uh, years ago where people were buying properties and mortgaging them to them, you know, values were increasing. Mm-hmm. There was profit in properties. They were renovating today. We're seeing a lot of properties being sold that that are nothing like what they were being sold back in 2006 and 2007. You know, know, people are buying properties or fixing them up. And, and and today people are taking those same properties. They're just not fixing them up
0: and they're selling them for, for those same high prices. So see, I appreciate this advice because all I see is clickbait videos where they say, just get the FHA, get, go, go, go. And no one wants to hear that it's probably not the smartest idea because everyone wants to make mad money really quickly. And when you break down the numbers, it's like what they say, anyone can get rich on Excel, but when you actually Think about like, you don't think about like an AC breaking down that will kill an entire year's profit if it's big enough. Um, so really genuine advice. So, you
2: know, because of my background in mortgage, I can speak confidently and tell you that, well, first and foremost, FHA mortgages are not investment products. So anyone who is selling someone on using an FHA mortgage because it's got the smallest 3.5% down payment and, and da, 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 you can go in with the 640, 620 credit scores and, and you can still get a mortgage. Yeah. FHA loans are designed for owner-occupied properties. Now that doesn't mean that you can't owner occupied for the first year and then move out of it and use it as a rental, you sure can. Um, but it's not used to purchase investment properties. So first and foremost, anyone listening to me out there, don't do that. <laughs> um, FHA loans were created uh, to complete the American dream in the sense that there was a time where only people with super high credit scores and lots of wealth were able to purchase homes. So the federal government created the FHA mortgage. FHA, FHA stands for Federal Housing Administration, not First-Time Homeowners Administration, not First-Time Homeowners Anything. It's Federal Housing Administration. And the program was created. Designed for people with credit scores lower than 720, people that didn't have their 20% to put down, uh, and it gave everyone the flexibility of, of, of purchasing. And so, the program—you know—it's not just you can't have had a, had a, an FHA mortgage within the last three years. So even if you had a mortgage when you first turned 20, and you sold that property, and now in your 30s you're looking to buy another property, you can still use an FHA loan as long as you don't have an open FHA loan. Okay, so you know, just a lot of misconception about what FHA loans are. Today, you can get a conventional loan with three percent down, depending on your credit scores. Uh, but that's a, a, a program for another hour. You know, mortgage related products and and how risk based pricing for for mortgage insurance. Well, because you know, these are things that you know, when you look at investing, uh, when you're looking at buying a property, and you want the most effective product the most effective loan you want to have the best credit scores the most money to put down and you want the shortest term if you have 720 credit and you're putting down 20% you pay no mortgage insurance mortgage insurance it's it's insurance that protects the lender that if you default they get repaid doesn't protect you doesn't protect your life doesn't protect your property doesn't. so it's money that the banks are collecting because you don't have enough money to put yourself in a position where there's enough equity that the bank doesn't have to feel like if you default they're not going to get their money yeah so insurance is a necessary evil. You need to have auto insurance. If you're going to have a car, you should have health insurance and life insurance. If you're going to be living. Okay. But mortgage insurance, you know, for the lender, I'd rather have life insurance that God forbid, something happens to me. My loved one gets the house or Mm -hmm. gets money to cover my portion of the house. Um, Those are smart investments. Those are those, but FHA, that mortgage insurance goes to the federal housing administration to protect them. That if there's a shortfall, there's a payment being made it doesn't protect you for anything so you know so so factor that into your investment you want to be savvy and say oh i've got I'm making these great investments look at where your money's being spent makes yeah, sense yeah. you know so, so so again you know owning a property free and clear you don't have to pay back the, the the bank you have to pay your taxes your insurance and so on and so forth the rest is profit when you have debt you know if you're spending you know if you're $900 payment if $300 of that is mortgage insurance you know, just think if you didn't have that mortgage insurance and you were doing that same scenario, whatever you were profiting, you'd be profiting $300 more. So is an FHA product, a smart product to invest in? If you're, if you're spending an extra $200 a month, $2,400 a year for, for a product that is costing you when you, better you save that money for a little bit longer buy cash, have no overhead on it. Mm-hmm. But again, some people would say that's not, you know, with money being as cheap it is, as it is, you know guys if you have a bank account with liquid cash three hundred thousand dollars in it at all times okay having a couple mortgages isn't that bad because then you're leveraging your money on your money but again if you're if you're leveraging more than 80 percent, you're paying that mortgage insurance just doesn't make sense yeah so so you know Let's restructure that question and say, Hey, Steven, I'm buying a house with 20% down that I want to make as an investment. Well, you're putting more money down. You're creating a better investment for yourself. You're reaping a greater reward because you're not paying some of those extra fees. You see what you see how that, yeah. that same question just got changed totally. in the, in the way that I'm looking at and, and, and processing it. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's just knowing it's, it's, it's about knowing the products that are available and knowing how they impact that will determine, you know,
0: the outcome. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up, is there anything that we didn't ask that you feel would be important in this conversation? Uh, you know, I told you this was going to be a four part series, Oh, easily.
2: you know, uh, life, life has given me a lot of lessons, but uh, you know, taking it one step at a time, you know, learning like you guys are doing, teaching people, giving this information out, you know, the people that are actually taking the time to listen to, to what a person like me has to say and share, you know, that is power, you know, and, and, Good for you guys for doing this, this stuff. This is, a, uh, you know, it's a matter of <clears throat> not being the kid that I was listening to people like me when I was in your seat yeah. and not doing something. If you're going to save, start saving. Today. Even if it's just a little stay consistent, Yeah. stay consistent. If you do it consistently, you can achieve great goals you're starting young you have that much more time to do it that that's the whole it's it's math it's not it's it's complex math but it's math it's it's really simple you yeah. just do it and you continue to do it and you'll reap the rewards don't do it don't look back and say god i should have done it then because you can't go back and do it then um my advice you know pick a number start off with that you know if that works at the end of the year double that you know do a hundred dollars a month. If you could do a hundred dollars a month at the end of the year, you have $1,200 in savings and in cash, make it $150 a month that you start saving. And if you're able to save that without realizing it in your lifestyle, you know, then you're on a good pattern and that will start to build, find a couple of good investments, let it sit. Don't be one who's pulling and jumping and, 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 you know, they're, there have there there some great success stories with with Google and Yahoo you know people who got in when it was really cheap you know mm-hmm. um, diverse,
1: keep yourself diversified Gotcha. now would you like to plug any socials like a uh, hashtag like, Steve, steven lipman is my realtor like social media email number like any way yeah. to contact you yeah um I, Definitely. I uh,
2: would love to get some calls from this. Uh, yeah. My phone number is 954-649-3081. Uh, I am a tri-county agent, uh, Palm Beach, Broward, Miami-Dade, uh, even up through Port St. Lucie and, and Jupiter. Uh, and i stretch it for most people. Uh, catch me at Lippman at gmail.com. Uh, and like I said, hashtag stevenlipman is my realtor. This was great. I had a lot of fun. Can we do this again soon? Of course.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Cool. Thank you. Thanks.